0: Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk.
1: We hope you were blessed by this message.
0: Right, moving us on into the very spiritual part of the evening. And, you know, Joss is going to come and preach He's got a great word for us. You know, we've got dark nights at the minute. And like I said at the beginning, when it gets darker, the lights become brighter. All the beautiful lights start to come out. You know, people get their Christmas lights up. We get the, the uh, beautiful lights on the avenue. But I don't think that's the sort of light that Joss is going to speak about. So come on, Joss, let's get you up. And, uh, yeah, give her a big, big hand. I'm just going to pray for him. Um, Joss is really tired today. He's had a busy, busy week. He's got a little one with him. So, Lord, we just thank you for Joss. We thank you for the word that you've put on his heart tonight. We thank you, Lord God, of his obedience to you always. So, Lord, we can't wait to hear what you've got to say to us. Let it go down deep and let us take it out of a fragrance of heaven, as Steve said, as we leave the four walls of the church. Amen.
1: Amen. I'd like to think I obey him always. I'm not sure that's true. Do our best, but you know. So um, I was thinking about uh, this uh, this message, and if I'm honest, actually, like, normally I've kind of, you probably not, humor me. Um, I've normally got a lot to say, so <laughs> normally I'm not stuck for something to say. But this week I was a bit like, I sort of like you know when you sort of can't quite decide what to talk about and uh, and I sort of went back and forth on a few things and um this is what I this is so, something that just kept coming back to me as something to discuss. So um I was saved when I was 16, when I met Jesus. Um I was um the thing that led me to the Lord was being out it was dark nights and I lived in Scotland and we had the northern lights and great stars and those really dark nights when you can see all the stars, and it just got me asking the question of, you know, there must be more to this universe than just, you know, a big old accident. There had to be some sort of creative element, and that started pointing me in the way of Jesus, and I found um, Christ in in a church and gave my life to him. And when I did, I very quickly felt burdened to talk about him, to share about him. Um, and uh, I think that's a natural thing when we, I know we all have different personalities as we've talked about tonight but when something really good happens in our lives generally we want to share it don't we something great happens you know you've just I don't know got a new job got a new car you've I don't know some uh, you've just got engaged or whatever you see people sticking it on Instagram What people want to share good news and when I met Jesus and Jesus just started to change my heart and my life, I just wanted to talk about him. I was like, I've got to tell people about this because this is awesome. I'm like, how come everybody doesn't believe in Jesus already? You know, <laughs> all these people know who he is. How come they've not started to follow? I just don't get it. So I started telling people about Jesus. I saw my school as a mission field and I would be Bible bashing people mercilessly at every opportunity so much so that eventually the teachers started giving me the assembly slots because, well, basically they couldn't be bothered. And, <laughs> and uh, so I would get up in sort of like this sort 500, 600 kids or whatever at secondary school and give it the big one and ask people if they want to stand, if they want to give their life to Jesus and all that sort of stuff. People were like, Joss has definitely gone off the deep end. And there's a, um, I feel like there's a responsibility when we come to faith, to share Jesus. There's also something that's just very natural about it. And when you um, start doing something like leading, when you're a leader in a church like Ali and Kate, like myself and Claire in, in some way as well, there's a responsibility that goes with that. And my, my role and my sort of call, if you like, has been to teach, to share who Jesus is that's been that for a long a lot of years and it sort of takes form in often standing on a platform and doing it in church but I kind of will do it anywhere and anytime I can I love talking and meeting with people and sharing who Jesus is I love doing a coffee with somebody and just getting into the nuts and bolts of of what he's done and just sort of you know inspiring one another I love sticking stuff on social media and things that spark a bit of conversation or just point people to Jesus but it's a dangerous job. This is what the Bible says about it. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It has eternal consequences. Matthew 18 says, If anyone, um, anyone causes one, um, one of these little ones... Those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and then be drowned in the depths of the sea. So getting things wrong and causing people to stumble has some pretty dire consequences too. Now, one thing I do want to say is that leaders aren't different in terms of the expectation. I know that, um, in fact, I was at a, um, a leadership thing just this, this last um, week or was it last week? Whichever it was. And um, there was a bit of conversation about the standard expected of leadership, and that uh, et etc., and they're holding to a different standard. And I was like, that's not true. The standard's holiness for everybody. There's only one standard. But there is a different level of judgment. So there's a different level of strictness in terms of how we're judged. And we're also judged on what we say. And so it says in Titus 2.1, it says, but as for you, this is Titus, Paul talking to Titus, teach what a... Um, Teach what accords with sound doctrine. I love the way he says that. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Teach good things. Teach sound doctrine. In 2 Timothy, it talks about um, the fact that people will no longer put up with sound doctrine, but instead will do things to suit their own desires. And they'll gather around teachers that say things that itch their ears, things they want to hear. So... To be a teacher and to talk is, you know, the Bible talks about as a noble thing, but it comes with responsibility. And so you've got to do it right. So my role really is to, two things as, as somebody who's involved in shepherding, is to teach the truth and also to warn off the wolves. Because there's people and these sort of influences that all want to lead people astray and to destruction. I'll see all that as a preamble for what I'm going to say next. (laughs) Matthew twenty-four, verse three. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, not yeah, sort of on the Mount of Olives, not like on it. Anyway, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when this will happen? He was talking about the sort of end of times, the destruction of the temple, and he's talking about end times. And what will be the sign of you coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name complain, um, claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be, family, uh, there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and to put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then... The end will come. Boom, boom, boom. Sounds like sort of the beginnings of some sort of epic apocalyptic film, doesn't it? You're like, whoa. Anyway, that's um, Jesus talking in Matthew. It's not Revelation. It's not the book of Daniel. This is just straight from the the lips of Jesus, just talking about what were to come. And, and, And I don't know about you, but I've seen a little bit of an inflation, a little bit of a rise in... people talking about end times over the last sort of couple of weeks as soon as as soon as anything kicks off in Israel I think that's often a trigger for that to be fair Um, and you get this sort of stirring up of these things and you can't help but read this stuff and go oh I don't know it's it's not it's who knows I don't know if we're in latter days I'm not sure I know that we can certainly identify with certain things that we read here that we read in other parts of the Bible and say, you know, there's some correlation between some of this stuff and the times that we're in. What we can say is that we're closer to latter days than we've ever been before. By default, obviously. Um, And so we keep that in mind, I think, all the time, that there is an end, that Jesus is coming back. And I think for me, I'm sort of, I'm a person who's sort of very uh, practical, logical. And so I have to remind myself of that sometimes, because I can get locked into the, just the doing of the gospel, the expansion of the kingdom. And sort of I put on hold the sort of more things that I just can't comprehend. You know, the things of like Jesus coming back, riding on a cloud, people coming out the graves, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. I just sort of put over into the box that I don't quite understand, so I won't think about it. Does anyone else do that? Yeah, that's going to happen, but it's kind of like not going to stick. It's filed over this bit in the sort of miscellaneous unknown area. (laughs) But every so often I've got to take it out, dust it off, and remind myself and say, Jesus is coming back. Anyway, so one of the things is that we are, what I'm heading towards is the fact that we are in dark days right now. If you just look at the news, you can't help but know that we're in dark times. You read about just some of the things that are happening in this country, and you can't help but think, man, so many stuff is dark. It's dark. And I was gonna, there's a whole bunch of things that I could have talked about, but what I'm gonna talk about is actually what, how we think and this is a bit of a dry subject so hopefully it won't bore everyone to tears so um, we'll do our best but the idea of how we think because i think it's i think i think it's important for us to really sort of think about the way we think not just dark things in terms of like we can point at sin as certain sort of things and go that's uh, a sin or that's bad and it's then quite easy to avoid. But the way we think, as by being defaulted, by being in the West, is something that's harder to maybe sort of like to take out and look at and examine and do something about. Do you know what I mean? Because it's kind of like just part of us. Anyway, so we are in what is referred to as a postmodern era. The West is in this post-modern era. It's it's peculiar to the West. It isn't the sort of thing you get everywhere. Um, it's 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 peculiar to the West, and perhaps other continents are going to f- uh, follow suit um, uh, at some point as well. But um, it's predominantly a Western um, philosophical sort of position. Now, one of the influential theorists about this um, was a guy called Friedrich Nietzsche, and uh, he lived in the early sort of part of the 19th century and uh, died at the end of the 19th century. And he said that there is no such thing as good and evil, only sort of like the ideas of good and bad things. And to allow for morality that comes from outside ourselves, i.e. God, is to enslave ourselves and deny real human potential. He was one of the, the, the beginnings, he was sort of one of the beginnings of this idea that really morality and what that means is better coming from me than it is from an external source. Nietzsche famously said in 1882 in one of his most famous papers that God is dead. God remains dead and we have killed him. Now, ironically, part of that was true. Um, we did kill him a couple thousand years ago. But he definitely isn't dead. But anyway, the, the, but the, what he was saying was that the idea of of, of a god that has a, uh, a a way of living that has a uh, um, a righteousness and a and a, and, a, and a method by which we can be saved and an afterlife and all that stuff was killed by modernism. And now moving into postmodernism, we'd move beyond that in terms of theory. We'll keep moving so then you can grasp what I'm talking about. A guy later, Jürgen Habersmann in 1929, called this a crisis, he talked about the crisis of legitimization, that how we decide if something is true or not true. He said that there's no universal knower. There's no way of knowing things. No God to be accountable to. Therefore, I am the center of everything he was a philosopher i must decide on what grounds i can claim to know things and how i decide what's true and false and this is this expansion of this what became postmodernism this idea that i don't i no longer look to an external source god the bible things that are, uh, as a guide for life as a guide for what is true but actually things come from me i'm the center and out of me comes truth and morality whatever i decide and whatever i think at that moment and that changes obviously he went on to talk about the fact that because of that nothing is truly knowable which is why we get into this idea now that because everything is based in me and what i think about something and it's um and there it is not I can only pull on knowledge that's inside me and that is by definition not full. And I can only then look to somebody else and their idea of knowledge and that won't be full. So nothing is ever entirely knowable and therefore there is no definitive truth. Because you're only ever using fallible people. Because he admitted that people are fallible. And so if the only truth we know is from fallible people who are however many you talk to, it doesn't matter how far in the loop of knowledge you go, You'll only ever have a fallible answer. Is he a problem with that? This obviously flies in the face of what we believe about truth, but. Richard Rorty, as a more modern philosopher, now as we move into what is now this established postmodernism, spoke and advocated for, um, he was an American, spoke and advocated for. Um, post-modernity, for a very liberal way of living. And he espoused that post-modern relativism was uh, not conscious of God at all, and that God was a restriction on the freedom of humanity. And a lot of these ideas were pretty sort of normal for what post-modern thinking is like. And But he said something very interesting. He went on to talk about a bit more and what that meant, and to identify that in this new conception of what it means to be human, to draw on ourselves for truth and for moral right and wrong, there is, it's, it's an essential part is the matter of forgetting about eternity, he said. that We have to forget about eternity. And that's important because whenever you get into a conversation nowadays, in a postmodern world that talks about relative, is this right, is that right, what I think, what I feel is right. The end conclusion of that is normally an abandonment of eternity. Eternal and eternity in terms of heaven. What does that look like? Because everything is focused on the me here and now. And I have nothing to anchor to or to look to that is outside of human living. There's no eternal end to my own or my neighbor's moral opinion. There's no no after. There's nothing that can come next. And so this philosopher identified it and said it plainly. Part of that is a matter of forgetting about eternity. When we forget God, we can easily forget eternity. And so we've moved from this idea because there's then this vacuum of what do we do with spirituality. Because the Bible says eternity was placed in our hearts by God. That every person in the world is automatically seeking something outside of themselves, something outside of their morality. We're seeking something which the Bible describes as eternity. There's something, eternity is set in our hearts that makes us want to seek it out. And so we get to this point where then we fill it and you get a modern filling of that in the idea of something like spiritualism. The spiritualist sort of movement that we have, where we talk, people talk about. I'm just putting it out there in the universe. People say that sort of stuff now, and the universe is going to come back through the universe. Like that's has anyone ever heard that? Hands up if you've ever heard somebody say that sort of thing. Right, okay. It's 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 absolutely modern. People didn't say that even 30 years ago, apart from maybe some really odd people. But that is normal language now, because we've replaced. The surety of God with a concept of another type of spirituality in this idea of the universe and something nebulous that we can't actually put our finger on, just out there. I had a great conversation in the airport a few um, about six, seven months ago with people who were talking, about and I was like, "Give me the big one. You people are stuck there for a few hours. Great. bash Bas. Anyway. and um, so we had some really fantastic conversation, but they were talking about the universe. And I'm like, "What does that mean?" And the more questions I asked, you could just see, they're just like, I have absolutely no idea which is fine but you know no idea i just think you know the universe in it what is there a god what do you mean a, a god in the universe and they're like I, I, I don't i don't i don't know just the universe well, what what like the asteroids are saturn like what like elon's like car that's floating around out there i mean what is it you what's doing what for you i don't know you know just to try to make them think, but it was—it was—it was really telling. This is what it says about spirituality. Spirituality is much more about inner understanding than outer worship. Spirituality has no religion, where religion is based on pre-established beliefs and practices. Spirituality is about connecting with the divine within. Oh dear me. That's what it all comes down to. Postmodernism is a replacement of God as God and me as God. I'm the moral arbiter of my life. I'm the moral high ground. My truth is my truth. Have <laughs> never heard anyone say that? Pretty sure you have. This is my truth. Ignore the actual truth, you know, my truth. Because I'm God, so I can decide my own truth. Spirituality is whatever I put out there, whatever I think, it's a pick-a-mix of whatever, kind of like the, all the best bits of whatever. Have a bit of karma. Have a bit of sort of like some sort of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Maybe a bit of do good to your neighbor sort of stuff. Mix it all together and there you go. But interestingly, post-modernity is the rejection of God. And the reason I'm talking about this and probably boring you to tears, and I'm sorry if I am, is that... It's important to know how we think. Because as a Westerner, somebody who lives in Britain, by default, that is how you would think. Without coming into a relationship with Jesus and being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that's your default. And to the people who you spend your life with, at work, at school, at college, at uni, blah, 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 that's their default position, right? Because we're in a postmodern era. And so the fight that we're fighting in ourselves, ignoring the world for a minute, in ourselves, when we come to faith and put off the old man, try and kill him and try and be a new creation, thinks that way. But we we need to be sure and clear that morality isn't relative. There is right and wrong. There are, the world is based on things that are true. I mean, it, it, which is interesting when, because often you'll find that people who believe in post-modernity are, um, uh, would be sort of Darwinists, et cetera, et cetera, And there is a, and have a, a very clear idea of the world. And the world is full of true and false things. You know. I'm not a bird, for example. You know, I might say I am and feel like one, etc. But if I jump out of a plane, it ends badly. And the universe and its laws will prove that I'm not one. Gravity is a law. And the world's full of them. I mean, just full of them, you know. You know, go and stick your hand in a boiling water. You know, it'll burn. It, It doesn't matter what you think about it. If you feel like it won't burn, it'll still burn you. You know, it just will. I'm not saying do that. That's a really bad idea. But and if you listen to the podcast, don't go stick your hand in more and more. But um, there are things that are true and false, right? And the idea that things aren't true or false is counter to the Bible. It's counter to who Jesus is. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Believing that there isn't truth is to not believe in Jesus and who He said He was. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what it means when we start to know him is that we start to know truth. When you get to know Jesus, when you walk with Jesus, by default, you begin to know truth. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. <laughs> the truth will set you free. It's sad if you're postmodern and you don't think there's truth, isn't it? That's heartbreaking. You can never be free. Just think about that the denial of God, the denial of absolute truth. You can never be free. When you get to know Jesus, knowing truth, him that is truth, you'll begin to know and understand truth. It's the natural spiritual outcome of knowing Jesus is to not start to know truth. The things that perhaps before you weren't too sure about were a bit ambiguous. Now you go, well, actually... I know that's not true (laughs) I know that's not true or I know that's not good or I know that is good and I know that is true and you can know it and it be accurate and overarching not just for you God is good and he is loving and he is kind and he is forgiving and he is generous and he's not just for you, he is that. Full stop. It's just a truth, right? But it's scary because wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrows the way when it comes to following Jesus. And that is the opposite of what we are sort of yeah, come across in culture where it's like, you know, everyone decide their own route. Everyone's got their own sat-nav punched in their own coordinates, but they don't know where they're going. That's terrifying, isn't it? One of the scary outcomes of dismissing the idea of sin and absolute sort of morality and saying there's no right and wrong is the fact that we, obviously, if there isn't sin and people are basically okay to do whatever in their own mind or eye, then you negate the need for a saviour. If something isn't wrong, you don't need saving from sin, do you? If everything you do is okay by yourself because you're the own judge and jury, then you don't need a savior. Scary, isn't it? But the truth is the truth is that we do need a savior. That there's something in my flesh, in my carnal being, that wants to do the wrong thing. I know you're thinking, no, I've never, not you, Joss, come on. Sweetness and light. (laughs) Nope. Definitely not. You know, just driving down the road sometimes. I want to get out and smack somebody around the side of the head. (laughs) That's not that's not from the throne rooms of heaven, is it? (laughs) <laughs> there's things that are bad and evil in this world and they are absolutely bad and evil and they're not subjective the world tells us that these things are subjective and they're not I was talking to um, a couple of friends recently and the subject of only fans came up which is like a subscription website where people are using it started off for people who are fans of music and loads of people to put their sort of bands, to put their content out there, and it's turned out to be basically a load of people taking their clothes off that people can subscribe to. What was that, (laughs) Steve got excited? Calm down, mate. Um, But the idea of this, the idea of OnlyFans is that anyone can do it, anyone can set up a profile and start using it. And I was having this conversation, and amongst this group, it was fascinating that so many people didn't think it was wrong. They were just like, well, you know. I was like, no, 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 it's bad. It's bad for them. It's bad for everyone. It's bad for society. It's not good. And and they were in a place where they couldn't couldn't say that. They were like, well, it's you know, it's a way of making money, or they were empowered because it was their body. I was like, no, (laughs) that is not true. It is not true it feeds something very dark in, mainly in men it objectifies and cheapens people it's a gateway and part of a huge part of sex trafficking and an absolute horrific abuse of people across the world you know there's, there's countless things I can say that are bad about it but the idea that people couldn't say that it was wrong anymore things, some things are wrong And as Christians, we need to know Jesus. And so when we know him and draw near to him, when we read his word, when we get to know him, he starts to reveal and make us know what the truth is, what's right, what's wrong, and it becomes natural. It becomes the natural way of things to know, to have a knowledge of good and evil. I think that many of us are afraid of what might happen when we say things like, that's not right, or that's not a good idea, or that's wrong, or even say, that's evil, or that's sin. But Jesus called us to be the light on a hill. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. He also then called us the light. He said, you are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. Isn't that exciting? In a world that's rejected and supposedly kills God, we get to shine a light that proves otherwise. Because I can tell you, once you get past the pretense, what we call virtual signaling and stuff like that nowadays. Once you get past some of that into a conversation with someone, and they can't be soundbite conversations generally. They have to be a, normally a proper conversation. What you find is that people really want to know truth. That people are, surprise, surprise, in need of a savior. They're in need of God. And all the ideas and blurb that comes out with postmodernity doesn't count for very much when it comes to people's lives when it comes to people's challenges when it comes to the struggles of of life when it comes to explaining where they're going after they die only Jesus only Jesus so can I encourage us in the light of a world that's gone a bit skew if in terms of how it thinks, in terms of philosophy. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to consistently and constantly seek Jesus' face, to say, "What's the truth on this?" Don't just rely on your own gut. Don't just and certainly don't get angry and upset about things. But to, but to say, "What's the truth of this, Lord?" I want to know truth. And I want to be able to lead people towards truth. I want to be able to lead people towards you. He has made us the light of the world. The light of the world. That's a responsibility, isn't it? In a world that doesn't know that they need him, but they do. I know we need wisdom. I know we need the Holy Spirit to make sure that we walk these things carefully and compassionately. But we do need to walk them. And we do need to walk knowing truth and being the light.